Welcome everyone. Uh, good morning. So my name is Dina and I clean the stage sometimes and I set up these things here. So how are you feeling this morning? Encouraged? I see a lot of new faces as we do every week. Who's new for the first time here in church? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Welcome everyone. How's your first two weeks of this year, 2023? Yeah? I was talking to someone this morning and he said, it's already been better than the whole 2022. <laughs> what just happened in 22? I don't know. But it's certainly things are getting better from 21 and 22. Now we are trying to get out completely to our normal lives after the whole pandemic situation and, and everything. Um, my 15 days so far has been very good, 14 days. Um, our elders team, we had our retreat uh, one day and we went to Karkavelos Beach and I wish they do it all the time. So. And we took the morning off, we just prayed together and then prayed alone and we set a pace for this year to slow down and really see God more than the logistics, more than the planning, more than the arrangements and music, but really see God and his presence this year. So I made some personal goals, I made some ministry goals, what I want to do this year. And one of the goals that I want made is I have to eat well. Um, if you know me, unfortunately, my sentence structure is really bad. <laughs> no, no. It's not an unfortunate if you know me. Uh, I was saying, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not a big fan of food. I just eat food to survive. And a lot of people say I only eat chickpeas and biryani, which is, again, not true. I eat cereals too. So this year, my goal was to eat well. And, and when Ruben introduced this sermon series called Meals with Jesus, I was pretty excited. Ah, okay, so that's a sign from God, you know, I should eat well. But, and then I don't eat fish, I'm vegetarian, so we got to move that out of the way. Um, on January 1st, this wonderful family invited me over for food. But January 1st is also Sunday, if you remember. So we had a service in the evening and I had to come prepare something and arrange everything. So I was making a decision, should I go with it or not? And then I made a business decision, right? I, January 1st, and it's free food, guys. I can't say no to free food. It's, we remember we had a, um, a person from US, his name is Cubon. Uh, on his last day at Riverside, he, we invited him to say a few words and he said, the one thing I miss about Riverside, I will miss about Riverside is comida gratis. In English, it's free food. I'm going to miss it so much because we have free breakfast every Sunday. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So last week, Ruben, just to recap if you're new, Ruben opened up the series called Meals with Jesus where we're going to talk about instances of the meals that Jesus participated in and see what happened in the table, what the spiritual reality happened, and what we can learn from that incident in the Bible. And we have four Gospels written. There's a lot of meals that Jesus had. And that is one of his uh, major points where he meets people. It's around the table. So last week, Reuben was talking about this meal that Jesus had with the tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees were like, whoa, that is not cool. If you are a prophet, you shouldn't meet with them. And Ruben challenged us as a church to behave like Jesus did, not to walk around and judge people and who is 
capable to sit with us, who is not capable, who is uh, valuable and who is not, and not be hypocrites, but invite everyone to the table, invite everyone to be Jesus and let them change, let Jesus change their lives. So we're talking about another meal today, and I'm going to call this meal Dinner in the Desert. I came up with a name, so I'm just going to keep stressing that because it's really cool, I think. So this is the only meal and only miracle that all the four Gospels talks about. There's no other incident that all four Gospels noted, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So probably this is the most memorable one for the eyewitnesses who saw what happened in Jesus' life. And we'll be moving around to get more details of this particular story. All right? Cool? All right, let's dive into it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. We are going to start at verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large group, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, Bring them, to, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down in the grass Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. This is Lord's word. Isn't it amazing, this story? It's free food for everyone. They weren't expecting it. They don't have to pay for it. They don't have to go get food. It's provided. So before we go into the miracle part of it and talk about it, I, I want to go back. Uh, Jordan, if you can go to the first slide. And it says, when Jesus heard what had happened. So that's our context. That's where the story starts, right? So if we go back to the chapter before, to see what just happened, what Jesus heard about it is that John the Baptist was just beheaded in prison by King Herod. So who's John the Baptist? He is one of the guy who came before Jesus and he was preaching about Jesus, that Jesus is going to come to the stage soon. He is, so Jesus was prophesied by the Old Testament that Messiah is going to come. John was also prophesied in the Old Testament that Someone would come who will prepare the way for the Messiah, right? He's as important. And this is the same John that Jesus said, among those who are born of women, there's no one greater than John. And if you know the story of nativity, of the birth of Jesus, Elizabeth, John's mother, and Mary, Jesus' mother, they were relatives. So there's a very good chance they grew up together. There's a good chance they know each other. And this John is dead. And the news reaches Jesus, right? Imagine you hear a news of someone who just passed away. And Jesus would have felt, man, someone who I like, someone 
who prepared the way for you, someone who's in the same mission as myself, just got killed. And it probably moved him deeply. And that's why he said, when Jesus heard about what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He just want to take a time off. He just want to be away from people. And Mark, in the, in the chapter of Mark, the same story, there's another detail there. So Mark 6.31 says, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So ministry has been so busy, they didn't even have time to eat properly. And he hears about losing someone dear to him. So Jesus wants a time off from all the people. And he said, disciples, I'm going to go there. You also come with me. Let's have some time together. Do you think that happened for Jesus? When he went there, the crowds heard about it. They went there before Jesus went there by foot and another way. And they were waiting for him when Jesus landed in the boat. So Jesus got offshore and the crowd was waiting for him there. You know what's astonishing for me more than the miracle? Yes, it's 5,000 plus people. Amazing. I, I want to know, I, I want to think what Jesus would have felt at the time. It's so much, he just, he's, he's human plus God, but he's humanly limited. He's there with his pain, with his tiredness, physical tiredness, and he couldn't eat. But if you go to the verse again, in Mark 6.34, it says, When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And that's the word I want to highlight here, is Compassion. So compassion means the internal earning for sympathy when you see people who are in need. When you see people, when you have the concern for the people who are in need. And how can you feel compassion like that when you're hungry and tired? And I, I, I feel sometimes I'm a pretty good person to feel compassion. And I, I care for people. But on my best days, and I use this excuse a lot, I say... Oh, I'm sorry I said those things because it's, I'm having a bad day. So that's like my excuse. But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, right now it's not a good time to heal you guys, to teach you anything. Just go away and come back in a couple of days and, and, and let me help you. No, his heart melted right away because they were like sheep without shepherd. And his compassion is not towards just his disciples or just one group of people. He's compassionate to everyone. Whoever who came to that shore, he started teaching them. He started healing them. He started attending their needs. And this is the first spiritual reality about God is the God we worship is a compassionate God. David says in Psalm 86, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. Just going off topic a little bit here. We all have things that we worry about. We big things, small things. 
We are all hurting and broken. But the one thing I want us to remind all the time is to the truth about God is what's going to change our lives. And one of the truth about God is God cares. God has a concern for your life. It might be a situation that you caused yourself. It might be a mistake that you did. But still, God doesn't enjoy you suffering. Even if you are in the point where you pushed yourself or your family pushed you or just life pushed you, we, things are not working out, God feels compassion towards you. God says in Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather they turn from their ways and live. He don't even enjoy the wicked people die. Even the worst people in the world, he, he, God doesn't enjoy that. So church, do we feel the same compassion that we receive from God towards our life, towards other people? Or are we being indifferent to them? Are we being moved by their needs? Are we being moved by how Jesus was moved? Are we showing God's love and God's care, God's compassion and concern for the people around us? Two things I want to uh, I, I want us to point out again before we go to the next slide is one is receive this love from God, receive this compassion from God. Remember all the time when you are going through situations, God cares. Yeah, He's not indifferent towards you. And then remember this: you get it from God and give it back to people. You care to others. You. Look out for others. You have the same patience and compassion that God gives you, that Jesus gives you towards others. And moving out of this compassion, Jesus started teaching, right? And he didn't even check the time. And it was already evening and his disciples were acting probably like me. They are going, it's getting late. Come on, Gabby, finish the sermon. It's, you should, 35 minutes it's your sermon, but you keep preaching and it's already past dinner. So let's tell them to go away to grab dinner and then they can come back. And Jesus responds, no, no, change of plans. Uh, we're going to give them dinner. And it, this, I, I could only imagine the faces of the disciples and I'm sure Chosen is going to do this episode. It's going to be fun how they say it. Say what? What did he say again? You want us to provide for them like 5,000 plus people from where? In jo John captures this well in the Gospel of John. It says, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's of wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Not enough, just one bite. It's going to take half a year's of wages. In some Bible, it will say 200 denarii. One denarii is a one-day wage. So you're looking at 200 days of work just to give them one bite. So Philip is doing his calculation, his budgeting. It's impossible. We can't give them food. But it sounds like a good, valid response, right? You and me would have done the same thing. Uh, we calculated and we say, God, how, how is it going to happen? But if you think really about it, again, right before this situation what happened, Jesus just sent out the disciples two by two outside to the people to preach 
and to heal with the power of Jesus. So these disciples are not new to God's miracle. They are not new to God's healing. They just went out, did them by themselves with God's power. And these are the same disciples are saying, I don't know how you're going to solve this problem. Sounds like impossible. Luke 9 says, So they set out, went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And this is what happened before this whole meal, dinner in the desert event. How could they not trust this power? But I was thinking about it, and I was starting to think, ah, these disciples should grow up and try to remember. And I do the same thing in my life. I go back and see what all God did helping me get out of, let's say, to study abroad. It was impossible plan. I didn't even have the dream. But God came through. And then when I was studying and doing part-time job, trying to pay my fees, failing in classes, it was impossible to come out of this mess. But God came through. And then I was looking for a job. I couldn't find a job. I had to leave the country. Again, impossible to solve. But God came through. I was keep adding to the list. But then if I have a new problem today, I'm like, e, that one's, this one's different. I, I know, I know he did that. This one's a little bit different. And I, I want us to think that, like Jesus has done amazing things in your life. Or you heard about Jesus done amazing things in other people's life. And you hear about these things and you think, no, no, this one's definitely different. And I agree with you. Every situation is different. Every person is unique. Every solution is different. It's not going to be the same answer to Josh and to Don or to, to Jode. It's going to be different. But do you know who's not different? Do you know who's the same yesterday, today, and forever? It's Jesus. He's the same God regardless of time, regardless of history, regardless of situation, regardless of anything. He's perfect and he's the same and he does not change. And his power does not change either. His compassion does not change. And in this story, God does an unbelievable miracle. He multiplies five loaves in two fishes in so many that 5,000 people plus women and children were eating plus 12 full baskets of leftovers. Philip says, if you have enough money, we can get them one bite to eat. Now, Jesus says, if you have me, you will eat, you will be satisfied, and you will pick up your leftovers. And leftover food is, is okay. It's not that big of a deal for us. But in ancient culture, leftover food is not common at all because they have to make what they need to eat on that day. Right? They don't have fridge. They can't store it. And they buy what they need and they eat and they buy the next day. And here... They had so much leftovers, they, they didn't even want to throw it away. They had to pick it up because they want to store it. This brings up to the second reality of God today is God is the God of impossibilities. And the, whole, the term impossible is very relative, right? Um, what I mean by that is it depends on who is talking about it. It depends on the perspective. So I can shoot some basketball. Okay, don't ask me to go play. I can shoot some basketball, right? Um, but I can't, it's impossible for me to make 10 shots in a row from a three-point line. 
Okay. Let's say for, I say it's impossible. And here we have Don here. Don is thinks himself a shooter sometime. Let's say he can shoot 10 on a row, right? He, he will say it's not impossible. It's possible for me. And then when I ask Don, can you dunk the ball, which is jump and touch the rim, Don's going to say that's impossible. And if I ask Malachi, who has some South African genes in him, he's like 14 years old and he's six feet already, like 180 centimeters. He would probably dunk in probably in a year or two. You know where I'm going with this? The impossibility is based on who you're talking about. What is impossible for me is probably nothing for the next person. The next person I'm talking about here is the one who created the heavens and earth with one word. The next person I'm talking about here who upholds the universe, but he also holds your tears in a bottle. The next person I'm talking about here who struck 185,000 Assyrians overnight to solve the whole problem for King Ezekiah. You look at your situation and look at from my perspective, yes, it's impossible, but look at from his perspective. Look at from divine perspective. Look at from his unlimited grace and power. Is it impossible for God to handle your situation? Is it impossible for God to handle your addictions or handle your habits, handle your sinful behavior that you wanted to change and you don't see that going away. Do you really believe that God can change it? He can, yes. If he can create nothing, he can create everything out of nothing, I'm sure he can create a new Simon in you. He can create a new Arslan in you. He can create a new Viviana in you. You bring to Jesus what you have and come with humility and come with trust and watch him do his thing. Watch him transform your life upside down. And here's another question that people will probably bring from the story. Yeah, Dina, cool. Jesus is loving enough, compassionate. He's powerful enough. Why don't you just fix everything right now in my life? Why, why don't he just wipe every tears? No death, no crying. Well, it's going to happen. It's coming very soon. It's a spoiler alert. That's coming up. Revelation says, one day he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So God is going to bring solution to this. But in his own timing, in his own will, he don't want anyone to be unsaved. He wishes everyone to turn away towards him. So what do I do? What do I do until then? I say it's soon. It could be this week. It could be today. It could be next year or in 10 years. What do I do till then? And, and I was thinking, maybe I should preach that just like God multiplied the five loaves, He's going to multiply your bank accounts. And then I realized that's not biblical at all. So I can't say that. That we see that, we think that will solve all the problems, don't we? We're like, just multiply my bank account or multiply whatever or get me this job or get me the, into this relationship or get me this, that. My life would be set. And I, I want to remind you, if you really think about it, 
if you give everything that you want from today to next year, it's probably not going to be good for you. A ask any parents. We have some parents in the house. You have toddlers. Would you give everything they want? No, they, they are really genuine. They are crying. They are weeping. They are being cute. And they are saying, I really, really feel like I have to eat this soap right now. Please. Well, what would a good, loving, caring, compassionate parent would do? He would say, no, you're not going to have that. Do you see God as your compassionate, loving, powerful father? Or you see God as someone who just stays there, gives what you want and punishes? It's like a karma thing. If you do good, you get it. If you do bad, you don't get it. Try to earn something from him. If he's a good father, then you should trust he knows what you want before you ask for. Matthew says he knows what you need before you even ask him. Do not worry about your life. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Your need will be supplied. There's no question. He that's the thing about this whole thing about when we are struggling, when we are thinking, when we are doubting. Remember these two truths. He is compassionate, he is caring, he is concerned for you, and he is powerful enough to do it. Right? He, maybe you don't need it right now. Maybe God has the timing. But don't doubt, maybe God doesn't care or maybe God doesn't, couldn't change. He could change and he does care. And I was talking to Pedro this last week. I was thinking out loud, why did, if Jesus can't do that, why didn't he do it every day? That could have solved a lot of problems with this logistics of traveling around. Hey, here's food for morning. We can ask Hazel and his team, like, can you just multiply? Why do you come every morning and make your pancakes? But that's not God's primary purpose. God's, God's primary purpose is not just to provide what your physical needs. His purpose is to provide you an internal need. And John says here, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So what does science mean? Do you know? What, what are the signs? Anyone? Science? Is it miracles? or Have you seen the signs, the plus signs around the road or cross? What do you call it? In blue, in blue or green signs? What do they mean? Pharmacies, yeah? How do you know it's pharmacy? So you look at the sign... And you know there's something there. Jesus calls this miracle of everything I'm doing, it's a sign. Sign of something that's there. Miracle is not what you need. You don't need that cross. You don't go to the cross and thank you, pharmacy. No, you go inside and get what you want, right? Imagine I put a bunch of signs across the road. No pharmacies, just sign. Do you feel like happy? I got what I need. I can feel comfortable because I see all these signs. That's what we do sometimes. We like, God provides and does miracles. I'm happy with it. 
No, you're not. It's pointing to something. The signs mean something. The presence of something. Jesus is there. Yes, you see a sign. Now you look inside and see what's happening. And if you're a Jew at the time, and if you hear about God providing food in a desert, you know what story comes to your mind? What God did back in the history in the Old Testament, and God provided the people with bread from heaven, which they call it manna. So people should have asked this question, who is this guy? He's providing like Yahweh provided. What is this indicating? What is this pointing to? Is he our promised Messiah? Not everyone asked this question. Not everyone genuinely followed Jesus. Rather, they just followed so they can get some food. Which group do you want to be in today? You just want to follow the signs and just happy with the signs? Or you want to go in and meet Jesus and see what he's talking about? And a lot of people in church too, we, we, we like this community. We like the whole vibe of it. We actually wanted to like build a stage and everything. And then we thought, we don't want to create that vibe. People will be comfortable with the vibe and never meet Jesus. Do you want to be in the second group, followed him for food or comfort? Or do you want to follow him for who he is? Do you remember the earliest story I told you about? I had a dinner, I had a lunch on January 1st. What would, you, what would you say if I just go hang out with this family so I can get more food? They cook good food, by the way. What would you say? It's not cool, right? So what is the right attitude? So I see a sign. I see a love. I see something that they did for me. And I, I think I appreciate them. I love them back. I, that shows their love for church and for me. I love them back. Do you know Jesus and do you love him back? Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And bread, again, in Asian culture, it's an essential part of their meal. That's something they need to survive. And here Jesus says, without me, you cannot survive. I am the bread of life. You cannot survive from your spiritual brokenness. And he's not saying, I'm one of the bread. He's saying, I am the bread. He's not one of the options. He is the only option. And without his death and resurrection, there's no life for us. And you know, the fun part is, everyone is invited. Everyone in this room, everyone outside, everyone is invited for the dinner in the desert. He's waiting for you. His compassionate, loving God is waiting for you. He don't want to send you away like the disciples suggested. Go get your own food and come back. Go get fix your life and come back. Go make it right with your friends and family and then come back. Give me a good version inside the church. My church has to look good. No, he said, just come. And if you come to Jesus today, you will never be hungry again. You will never be thirsty again. 
And I want to invite the worship team as we come to a close here. And if you're a Christian today and you, you heard this message of love so many times and you tasted the love of Jesus, I want to challenge you asking, does your heart earn like Jesus' heart? Does you seek the people with compassion like Jesus did? Or do you send them away? And, and this, this behavior is not something you can force yourself. If you don't feel you're compassionate, you can't force it. But the way you start to become more like Jesus is when you fix your eyes on the cross. The only way we can overflow with love towards other is when you cast your mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for you. Church, we are called to be compassionate. We are called to be loving. We are called to be inviting people to the dinner. Everyone that you see. Oh, no, but it's, it's not possible for me. No, it is possible for you. Because the God of impossible is living in you today. The Holy Spirit lives in you today. If you believe in Jesus, He lives in you. And He is calling you to build His kingdom and He will empower you with the same power that was at work in the story. Earlier I said the primary purpose of Jesus is not to just meet the physical needs. So what is the primary purpose of His coming to the world here? John closes this chapter and says, For my Father's will is that everyone, everyone, who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will rise them up at the last day. Everyone can look up to the Son and live. Look up, my friends. Look up to the cross today. Look up what, you did, what He did for you. Look up every day, even if you know about the cross. He loves you. He's waiting patiently to heal you be drenched and transformed in his love let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this morning God we thank you for your love God there is no better news than the God of the universe came down for me out of love out of compassion laying down his honor, laying down his glory to be like a human and still had compassion. God. Thank you for showing your compassion in our lives. Thank you for patiently waiting for us to turn away from our behavior, turn away from your habits. God, help us to show the same compassion towards others. God, help us to love people like you did. God, let your power reveal in us, God. Let your power change us. Let your power change us inside out. Make us more like you. 
God, reveal more of you to us. Just like you revealed, God, let your signs reveal who you are. God, let us not be just happy with the signs. Let us not be comfortable with looking at the signs. God, let us go inside and see what's there. Help us to know you more. That's what's going to heal us. God, help us to write your name in our hearts more and more every day. And help us to reveal your light to other people, to the world around us. God, help us to receive and give. Fill us today, God. God, we are casting our mind to Calvary. We are casting our mind to the cross, what you did for us. And we never want to take our eyes off it. Change our lives, God. Work through us. Equip us. Build your kingdom in our lives. Build your kingdom in our workplace. Build your kingdom in our study place. Build your kingdom wherever we go. Build your kingdom through us, in us. We pray in Jesus' name.